talking Dice Masters, the beauty of the underlying mechanics, the hidden complexities, and the strategy, tactics, and decisions of competitive play. If you're just starting the game or have been here since the first set, hopefully you'll find something in this show that'll do you some good. So shake up your bag, reconnoiter your opponent, and get ready to roll. All right, welcome back to Rollin' Thunder. We've just returned from Memphis, and I'm sorting through a tremendous amount of behind-the-scenes coverage from the recently held 2022 WizKids U.S. Nationals and World Championships, not to mention uh, Global Escalation, Popper events, and drafts as well. I've got Lucan on the line with me back at college in Minnesota. Lucan, how'd the trip back go? It was pretty painless, all told, you know. Made it back in one piece. All right, well, I'm glad to hear that. Anyway, we've got so much stuff that I'm going to break this event into two episodes. The first one will cover day one and two, which includes the U.S. Nationals, and the next episode, which I'll try to get out next week, will include the World Championship event and all the other events. But unfortunately, before we do any of that, we have to pass along some very, very sad news. Yeah, for those of you who haven't heard... Ron Hopkins, whose online handle was Ronathan PXPX, yeah, passed away a few weeks ago, and the Dice Masters community at large, and especially the Dice Masters community in Southern California, where Ron lived and was a very regular member, well, we're all just reeling from his loss. Too young, too talented, too soon to lose someone like him, Erlina Ferenia. I'd like to share from our T.O. in Fullerton and friend of the podcast, Archivist Sentiments on Ron. He said, Ron was a consistent player at Comic Hero U Dice Masters events in Southern California. Back in the day when we had WKOs, Ron would always brew a fun team and made the top four or top two cut quite often, and even won a few. I am still in awe of his Norman Osborne villain team. He was a sharp and gracious player, but beyond playing Dice Masters, Ron was there to help out if someone needed to complete their collection or get the meta card that eluded them after purchasing dozens of booster or draft packs. When asked, how much for that card? Ron would smile and say, don't worry about it, no charge. Or just give me card X if you happen to get one. He would come to the events early and we would talk about Star Wars, playing high school football or heavy metal music, along with other topics. We had many laughs together. I consider him not only one of my stalwart players, but a friend. A friend that will be sorely missed. My heartfelt condolences to his wife and family. May you eventually find peace after this tragedy and be comforted with the thought that Ron positively touched the lives of many in this community. Yeah, so I'd like to echo those sentiments as well. I definitely. That's what I. Yeah, we definitely consider Ron a, a dear friend, and I still can't believe it when I come to an event and Ron isn't there or come walking along. Uh, you know, our hearts go out to Erica, his wife, and his entire family. Ron was also a part of the CR Game Room and had his Probes and Plays YouTube channel. You know, he was a consummate control player. Ron never shied away from running the off-meta team. He was one of the first players to embrace and tinker with Rush. When you lined up against Ron, you always knew you were going to have a good time and you were going to have your hands full. I just, I'm still sort of in shock about about it, honestly. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, I just wanted to dedicate this episode to Ron and also... This episode and the next one, right? Like yeah. Both of them together, yep. right? Yeah, both of them together. The, uh, this one's for Ron 
in memory of Ron. And I, and I also wanted to take this opportunity to just nominate Ron for the Hall of Fame because really there couldn't be a player who, you know, represented. Not, not nominate, induct. Well, we can't. We get to do that. We get to do that unilaterally. We could, but what I want to do is let the community weigh in as well. I'm sure we're going to get other people. Okay. So I'm thinking, like, if we nominate him, I want to hear back from other people, you know, just how Ron had its impacted their lives in the community. I mean, I know mine, I know for sure with me, but I'd like to hear, get other way in a little bit here because I think, you know, like I said, see our game room. Ron was just around with a DM lot of North. folks. Yeah. DM North. Absolutely. He was, he had his, his finger in just about every corner of the Dice Masters community. And, you know, he, he was of service to so many people. So he's exactly the type of person who should be in the hall. That's why I want to nominate him. And I'd like to hear back from other people uh, when they hear this. Uh, any other thoughts before we move on, Lucan? No, I think that's just about everything. Yeah, and again, Erica, my heart just breaks for you. I know you and Ron had such a special relationship, and uh, he is sorely missed. Okay, I just rolled into Graceland, managed to almost get the wrong night, and said, you were signed in from Thursday to Sunday, sir, and here I am on a Wednesday... Gulp. <laughs> Fortunately, the folks at Graceland were very accommodating, and I've got a room. Lucan arrives tomorrow night, so time to figure out what the heck I'm going to play. Well, the very carefully packed U.S. championship belt lost a couple of dice. Well, I didn't lose. They're still there, but they, they came off. So I've got to add a thing to do to my to-do list today, and that is pick up some super glue. All right, we're getting super meta here. We've both started recording simultaneously in this incredible meta event where Double Double and Dice and Rolling Thunder clash head to head. Jocelyn. Oh my gosh. Cla- are we clashing? <laughs> cla- well, I don't know. It sounds, sounds much more dramatic the, the that way. Clash of the podcast. Yes. In, the most, in the most congenial of ways. Here. Absolutely. Because we're Dice Masters players, and I'm Canadian, so we can't be, can't be too clashy. <laughs> They're too clashy. Well, you know, the American in me has to clash, you know, so there we are. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Well, real quick, I, I know I didn't want to steal your thunder, so to speak. You, you were just about to interview Craig here, but I wanted to give you a chance to. To promote your incredible dice bag business. Could tell us a little bit about it. So any of you who haven't heard of it, I can highly recommend the quality and the artistic integrity of your dice bags. Well, thank you so much for that, Arjun. I really appreciate that. So I do have an Etsy store, and, and in my spare time, I like to make dice bags for our favorite hobby here of Dice Masters. So I have all kinds of superhero-themed fabrics and Dungeons & Dragons-themed fabrics and things like that, and you get to customize them. So you pick your outside fabric and your inside fabric, and then I tie it all together. And they're all round, so there's no corners for your dice to get stuck in, and they're flat bottom, so they can sit on the table and you don't have to worry about them falling all over the place. Which is one of the coolest aspects, I think, of the thing. They're really, really neat. If you haven't seen them, you can go to... Etsy.com slash shop slash jawstitch, J-O-C-E stitch. And that's where you can see most of the fabrics. Not everything's up. I have some new stuff that hasn't been printed yet. Just for the record, I am getting no kickbacks for this. So. No kickbacks <laughs> for Arger Rolling Thunder. Maybe for Lucan. Maybe for Lucan, yes. Maybe to help out his college. He needs it. Well, God help us. Our, me and my wife, we're the ones who need it. we got two in college right now, and it's a, it's a sled ride right now. Student loan programs? Uh, Student loan Don't bags. get me started, oh, okay. my man. All right, it's Thursday morning. Friday morning. Friday morning, sorry. 
shows you where I am in terms of my time perception. And Lucan is here. He made it last night after a little bit of drama. Lucan, welcome to Memphis. I'm here. Not much else to say. Give us a little backstory on the drama getting here. I almost missed the connection because the first plane was late, but I was all right. And then also Southwest, uh, they kind of exploded my bag. So I'm down some items, lost some things on the tarmac somewhere out in the Midwest, but I'll make it. Didn't you have problems with the taxi? I mean, you gave me a call at the hall saying, "Uh uh-oh, taxi guy's not here. What happened there? The shuttles stopped running at 11, but this is really not relevant. Like, let's talk about (laughs) Dice Masters or, oh, there's the, the shuttle. All right, so tell me, any thoughts on what you're gonna be running today? Well, I mean, I have a team, but I haven't really practiced at all. It's been a very busy time for me, so <laughs> outside you, of that. You were saying that this is kind of feels like you're going to play this like you'd play a regular Thursday night at Comic Hero U. Is, is that really how you're feeling right now? In terms of readiness, yeah, that's absolutely how I feel. <laughs> I haven't, I've played like two or three games with this team, so yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't nearly as thoroughly tested as anything else I've ever brought to an event of this scale. Well, maybe you can hear we're literally on the road walking from the guest house at Graceland over to the Graceland Exhibition Center itself. The sun is already beating down. I'm thinking about taking off my hoodie. And in my hand, I have the new and improved, yes, I was able to find some super glue yesterday, U.S. Nationals Championship belt. Good chance I'll be passing this off today. If I defend it and take this home with me, it'll be literally a stroke of luck and miracle. Any other last thoughts before we head into the convention center? I'm just looking forward to seeing all the other members of the community again for the first time since COVID. And yeah, I mean, I'll probably get my ass handed to me, but that's that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> there we are. We are we rolling? Yeah. Three, two, one. Yeah. All right. I'm we're in. all rolling. Hold on. Buckle your seatbelts, folks, because right now we don't have one podcast going. Chris. Not two podcasts. But three major podcasts, the major players. I don't know. I'm here with the Ministry of Dice, Dice. so more like two major okay, podcasts. I'm also here, though. Is anybody here representing Dice Masters United? <laughs> no. Okay, well, we have three. We have Rolling Thunder. We have a Double Double and Dice. And we've got the Ministry of Dice via Andy here. It's Andy May. I'm here for the <laughs> Ministry of Dice. And we're all happening at the same time. This is like time-space continuity problem going on here. I don't know if there's going to be some major feedback going on in the world, but it's all happening at once. There's a ripple in the right matrix. Right now. <laughs> ripple in the matrix, people. All right. Well, how are you guys feeling about today? Are you guys ready to rock and roll? I feel like I am, but I'm waiting to be sure. I don't know what I'm going to see for sure. I'm playing Heroclix today. So I'm going over to play in what's called World's Team Sealed. And myself and Emily and Asia, two other Canadian women Heroclix players, are playing in the Team Sealed event. And what that means is that we get a brick of product. We build three random teams out of it. And then we play three other opponents. So hopefully it goes well. Um, I've never played in it before. I'm really excited. I'm here supporting Rob. Rob is playing today. So... Hopefully it will go well. How is Rob feeling about the situation today? Uh, I mean, I think we're all surprised, right? Like, we don't know what we're going to see. There's a lot of guesses, mm-hmm. right? Like Master Molds and Berries and Thors, oh my. <laughs> so, right. But I guess we'll see. Any thoughts, Andy, for last? I, I think you've pretty much hit it on the head. I think we're going to see Master Mold. I think we're going to see Barry. And I think we're going to see a couple of weirdos show up with, not that they're weirdos, but a couple of weirdo teams show up that uh, will surprise us. But I'm not sure that anything can be competitive with those. I'm happy to be surprised. I hope we're surprised. What about you, Arge? Yeah, I think that's the good analysis. Like I said, I haven't been playtesting at all, so... 
but you never know. You know, sometimes somebody figures out the secret sauce. Yeah, and you I, know? Hope, I hope that we see that. I think we're going to see a lot of global abilities today. Yeah, so maybe a little global hate is going to be powerful if they can get out there and keep it stuck in the field somehow. You yeah, know? I think that Jean Grey is a nice piece to add to anybody's team right now. Yep, mm-hmm. for sure. Yep. Yeah, especially if they miss, they whiff the first time through, then and then they can't quite set up the way they want it to yeah. again. So. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely a lot of luck in these games. A lot of, if you miss your roll, then yep. you know, you're on the back foot and you've got to crawl your way back up. So. Yep. Yeah, and do especially. you have the piece that you need when you whiff that roll to hold off your opponent for long enough? Yep. Well, you know, that's the one beauty of this. These days get really long, and if the games go fast, there's some mercy in that, I think. <laughs> so, anyway... Thank you guys for uh, agreeing to, uh, you know, blow up the universe, so to speak. Absolutely. (laughs) Our pleasure. I'm here again now with Shadow Meld before the event. Of course, the master brewer usually plays counter meta. We don't know what's going on today, but I expect some tricky nastiness going on from you. Any thoughts before we go? Thoughts and feelings, my friend. I hear that this is a force attack meta. So I decided to play control. Of course you did. That's going to be great. I, I just, 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 just out of spite. I love it. Yep. There's some good control pieces in the meta that don't mind being force attacked, and there's some solid pieces in the meta that are hard counters to the power three, right? Like Master Mold, Barry, Thor are kind of like the huge scary win cons, and there's a couple characters that will just stop Barry from ever attacking, a couple characters that stop Master Mold from ever doing anything, and Thor has some problems being a Bolt character that wants to roll masks. So, I mean, we just see how it goes. Well said, well said. So, you know, there's still, you know, people have been kind of grousing a little bit about it being kind of a Rock'em Sock'em Robots meta, but it seems like there's still a lot of variety. Like, from what you just described right there, there's still, you know, a Rock, Paper, Scissors element going on, right? Right, right, right. It's a healthy meta, don't get me wrong. It does eliminate some strategies that we've seen in the past. Those strategies are almost unplayable because of both force attack and a high emphasis on the number of sidekicks you can put in the field. So right now the meta is putting sidekicks in the field and force attacking big characters off the field. So how do you win when all you have is sidekicks? That's the question. We'll see how it goes. I think this meta is more of a dice game than some of the other metas previously, like there's no parallax nowadays. There's no play face. There's not a lot of good reliability. A lot of the win conditions want to get KO'd and then re-rolled to get more effect. But if you whiff a master mold after the first master mold turn, you might be behind, way behind. A lot of people like that Starro, but he's perhaps the statistically worst card in the game because yep. he never lands. Yep. Or gets removed frequently. So yeah, the dice rolls for this meta are more important than dice rolls in previous metas. Which can be really fun at the same time, because you got to get that god roll, and when the god roll comes off, that can be really satisfying, and you don't really even feel bad if you lose. You go, i got to tip my hat to that. You exactly, know? exactly. Yeah, uh, like, we've been playing drafts all week, uh, well, last day or whatever, and all the drafts I've played have been, oh, you missed that roll, I win, or, oh, I missed that roll, I lose. <laughs> right. Well, well we're going to see. I'm interested. I think I think there'll be some good games to get one way or the other, and yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see the kind of, to do the comparison between what does well today and what's played tomorrow and what rises to the top again tomorrow. Ray, my friend over here, is playing quite the opposite. He's playing full aggro, attacking you on turn three type of aggro. We'll see how it goes. Interesting. I love it. 
And uh, we'll go get Ray later. He's deep in thought, writing down dice numbers and card numbers and analyzing deeply about all this. <laughs> so, thank you, Patrick. We'll, we'll talk to you soon, Good I'm luck. sure. Well, thank you. You too. I, I will definitely need it. I'm here to hand off that belt that, that was supposed to be a one-year thing you know, that sent into a three-year thing. So you know, Last time you told me you weren't going to win, you completely trounced me with a Yanti mimic. So, uh, you know... Grain of salt there, Arch. Grain of salt. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. You never know how the dice gods will treat you. So standing here next to three illustrious Dice Masters players before the Friday U.S. Nationals event, here on my left, which you can't see, wearing his awesome Star Wars t-shirt, Ryan Travel from our scene, a fellow Nuff Setter. SoCal man, yeah, that's right. Did you have to go through the hellish line to register? No, they pulled me out of the line. All those people are hero clicks people out there. So, so you did the, the you did the smart thing, yeah. That's right. <laughs> I yeah. love it. Any thoughts and feelings going into today's event? Well, this is my first time at one of these events, so I'm very nervous. But I think I'm prepared. I'm as prepared as I can be. So I'm excited for it, and right it's on. really great to meet everybody for the first time. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All these people I've been playing with online, I only know what their hands look like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, going down the line, Laurier, Canadian national champion at the moment, right? Yep. All right, so here you are in the States. Plans, thoughts, feelings, all that kind of malarkey. Oh, come on. <laughs> a spot is never stolen because it must first be earned. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yes, I wish we were a few Canadians here to try to steal your crown here. Oh, yeah. There's quite a few. Uh, there, how many there are? Got, it'll be like six or seven? Are you folks here? Well, at least five because there's me, Dana, Petrus, Jocelyn, Rob. Yeah, there's five of us. All excellent Dice Masters players, all of them capable and eager to walk home with the U.S. national belt that has been so perfectly repaired by yours truly. <laughs> so it's, it's polished and shined, I'm telling you. you. You'll like it if you get it, but save some space in your back. And, and in fact, I would recommend having just traveled with it, carry it by hand. <laughs> it's beautiful, but a little bit fragile. Data? Uh, yeah, it is. I can confirm it is a beautiful belt, uh, the much-coveted belt, so looking forward to seeing who gets that today, uh, to see who is the best berry or best master mold of the day. So that's your prediction, berry and master mold, if you feel like uh, that, those are the I ways they like go. It's, it's, a, it's a bad prediction because it's so obvious, but I feel like for today, yes, if there are any kind of sleeper teams, I expect them to come out tomorrow. So. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Well, thank you guys for the prediction. Tony Weekland, I got to say, tip of the hat to you for the, he was the actual creator of the belt back in the day. So, Tony, your work still lives and shines. We're going to see who hoists it over their shoulder in a few hours. Here I am with Ray. Ray, what's your last name? Fabris. That's right. Sorry, I should no, know that. No worries. From Florida? Yes. Are you from Orlando? I was born or? in Orlando, yes. Right on. Okay, well... You were in Patrick's scene, yeah. and Patrick was talking about your team as being one of the more interesting builds of the day. I don't want, won't get think, you to tell what it is I think less interesting yet. and more unique. Cause I, I like that. It's pretty similar, just using a card that might be less powerful, we'll find out. Might be more powerful, we'll find out. He says you're ready to rock and roll. I, yeah. I like that. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. You know, like, we, like he talked about, dice rolls, if I get them, hopefully I can push the aggression. If not, then hopefully I can stave him off a little bit. All right, well, I am here with Nick Wally in the WizKids shirt, taking on the role of, I guess, what, Paul Kushner from the day? And, yeah. uh, he, he is an excellent judge, and I aspire to hopefully be the same quality and caliber. And if not, I'll just drink the tears of the people who don't like the rulings. <laughs> well, they are big shoes, but you've got big feet, my friend. You're ready to fill them. Yeah. I can feel it. 
I mean, honestly, shout out to the WizKids Rules Forum team. I'm hoping I don't have any controversial rulings because we've gotten a lot of stuff in recently. It's all been posted, and it's a lot of needed clarification on things that I think has been great. Yeah, anything in particular that really stands out to you? There have been a ton of rulings. If you haven't seen them, go to win. Look up the rules for them. It's been impressive. Thank you, Whiskey. I'd say the ruling that has made the most waves, and I regret bringing it up, but it's probably the lab test ruling that has finally codified how we should approach the character die on an energy face in your reserve pool in that for game text purposes, they're going to say it has the energy die status and thus cards that reference a character die in your reserve pool, it does not count. It's so interesting because they've been hinting at that for a long time. Like, we remember that, I think it was the Uncommon Thanos from Guardians, was it? Remember the one that moved when you're when a character oh, die moves yeah. to the use pile, do the damage? And it was ruled yeah. that when it was on energy, it didn't do it, and people were going nuts, and we didn't really know why, yeah. and now we do, right? So the, there were always hints of it, and there are I know some players within the community have said, yeah, this is no change, but I have seen probably more numbers, and this is perception bias because the people who were used to this are not complaining, but I've seen more number of people shocked by this ruling or perhaps disagreeing with it. I have my own opinions, but this is the rules, and I will play it that way as that is what they have said. It is what it is. At least it's codified now, so we don't have uh, big arguments at the table when Thanos doesn't do his thing and you've bought the seven cost right yeah yeah i mean fortunately that card's out but we've got clarification on stuff and honestly that's why i really appreciate about a ton of other rulings they have officially errated the storm windrider versus the super rare psylocke to technically have different text now to meet the fact that they do different things. They've errated a number of different cards from the Superman Kryptonite Crisis to clarify their extent and capabilities. Some of them have perhaps strengthened the cards, some nerfed a little bit, but it has now been clarified how we should play these cards, and we will play them that way. And honestly, I'm really glad we got... I mean, I asked the question about the range, and that, I think, clarified and adds a lot of details that were needed to just clarify simultaneous effects to make sure everyone is aware of that. Kind of like when we got the uh, UNT pureblood ruling. It's like, all right, some of us might have been playing it appropriately with simultaneous triggers, but now it's there, it's refreshed, and everyone knows about it. The range does it again. Yeah, it's also so great to know how the queue actually works, how the designers were thinking about that, how it now functions, because game state and all that, but like the queue is its own thought, and once you've got it down, that's great. And I totally agree with you. For me, the fact that they errated those two, the Storm Windrider and the Psylocke, was huge because that early ruling, I think, was breaking a lot of our understanding of the game, and by just clarifying that, I think it really kind of re-solidifies yeah. things. Do you agree with that? Or? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's still a number of other cards that, if you go back historically, should be changed, but that's the golden era, and let's focus on modern, because let's get the main competitive stuff first. And honestly, back to the range and or simultaneous effects, anytime they can do a ruling that mentions the queue or explains how the queue works, as long as it's still consistent with previous conceptions, I'm all for it. Absolutely. As many of those rulings 
just so that there is further and further clarification and understanding. Well, speaking of gold, and real quick, I know you got to run, but is, is that what the one that gives you the, the global escalation? Is that the one that gives you the most jitters as a judge? So, all right, I, I will take a moment to talk about the global escalation. I think it's going to be interesting because if you look at the timing of events, it should start approximately the same time as the top cut for the world's event. So in theory, all the top players are playing in the world's top cuts. I think it could actually have a more laid back global escalation event. We might not see all the term three filthiness that I would have brought because I'm not playing, but I think it could be a little more laid back and not as cutthroat. And it still has some good prizes. Yeah, well, from your lips to God's ears, my friend, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're obviously got about a million things on your hand at the moment. Yeah, now uh, we've got, what, 25 minutes until the uh, dice start rolling for U.S. Nats? Make those quick last-minute changes. <laughs> yeah, I, so I, you're telling me i got time to build a team. Yeah, you've got time. <laughs> you've got, like, 10 minutes to make your team. Right on, I'm on it. Round one. So we're between round, round one and round two. I'm here with Laurier. How did your first match go? It went very well. I was up against uh, Robert and his Master Mold team. I was using Barry myself, so it was obviously going to be a race, and unfortunately he missed his Master Mold, which gave me just the opening I needed to win. Wow. Okay, so that's really the story of that game, you think, for the most part. Was there anything interesting that happened technically that you saw happen? He has some fantastic tech on his team. He didn't get time to take it out, really. I was using... I actually did not get Barry turn three after purchasing it turn two, so I actually pivoted to Starro quickly to try to go after him and steal his sidekicks and that turned out to be the right play because that's how I actually got the damage through to win in the end. Interesting. So you had him down to what when you swung with your uh, big berry strike? Well, my first berry strike brought him down to 10. Then he got one of Bagburn, so he was down to 9. And then between my sidekicks and the, the ones I stole with Starro, uh, my characters had plus 6 attack each. So game he over. just did, Yeah, it was pretty much game <laughs> over by that point. Got it. Well, interesting. Thank you. Congratulations. Good luck on the rest of the tournament. Well, thank you. I'm standing here between round one and round two. We got Dana and Rob here. Rob, why don't we start with you just because you're the first, second person I said. What, sure. How'd it go for How'd round one go for you? Uh, round one was interesting. I whiffed my master mold roll, and uh, Laurier got the better of me. Uh, That's how it goes. Yeah, we were just talking before. Like, this seems to be about who rolls. I mean, this the dice game aspect of this meta seems to be bigger than any other time. Do you agree with that? I agree. Yeah, it's all, you know, it's down to randomness. Which is kind of fun. It takes the strategy stuff out of it, but it also takes the hurt feelings out of it too, right? Like you don't feel like, yeah. well, I got to out chest there, you know? Absolutely, yeah. And Dana, how'd it go with you? Uh, went well in the first round. Uh, I'm playing Master Mold today, and Master Mold rolled for me, uh, which is good. Yep. Uh, and played Super Rare Thor in the first round, which did some damage to me, but just is not quite as fast. Yep, that would be my expectation on, on that. And um, any ta both of you guys, any kind of tactical surprises, anything that really stood out to you in terms of kind of fun piloting that you saw today? Not not in the first round so far, a lot of what I expected, but just looking around some of the other teams, there's definitely quite a few teams that are unique that I didn't expect. So, what, Like what? What are you seeing? There? Uh, I saw a common uh, anti-monitor team. Cool. Uh, which is definitely unique for sure. I saw more Thor today than I expected already, and only I think one, maybe two berries. I don't know if people are holding off their berry surprises until tomorrow, but definitely not as much berry and way more master mold than I expected. Interesting, interesting. Rob, how about you? Any uh, kind of technical, kind of tactical, fun stuff going on in your game? I haven't had any surprises yet. I mean, I'm seeing Wolverine Globals. You know, I'm seeing the uh, the Mask Prep Global. 
Mr. Sinister, of course. Everything I expected to see so far. Okay, well, cool. Thank you, guys. Good luck uh, as we move along here. Okay, so I've got somebody who I really want to talk to who's built one of the most interesting teams, counter, counter strategy. And we talked to Ray a little bit before the tournament began. Now he's ready to release his team to the world. Okay. All right, so Ray, tell me about your team. Okay, so the key is Uncommon Hot Girl and Living the Dream, and that's about it. I still haven't played a Master Mold yet, so not really sure how it's going to work, but she can get so big and she can trade the sidekick meta. You know, if you want to make sidekicks, that just makes her bigger. So Right, so you can use that Batman Global anytime you want, and it's win-win for you. Yeah, because if I have two hot girls and I give them two sidekicks, I get plus four attack. So it's a, just an easy trade. Congratulations that you got a win, right, yes, on your first I did win my first game. Didn't get to play a Master Mold, so we'll... I don't think we got a true test yet, but haven't seen any berries. I'm way less worried about berry than I am Master Mold. Well, I like seeing somebody come in with a yeah. creative build regardless yeah. of how you do. Yeah, it's fine. Great to that. You've got a win under your belt. Yeah. Good luck in the rest Better of the tournament. Better than my last showing, getting a win, so I'm happy. <laughs> I know that feeling. All right. Yeah. Well, good luck the rest of the tournament, and uh, we'll Thank check you. in later and see how you did. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Round three. You guys just played. Can I get you on, on mic? Oh, we didn't play. You didn't play. No, okay. that was uh, Andy. Okay. I was, I was against Andy, who won. Oh, yeah. Tell me about Andy's team. I'm curious what's going on. So, so he's got a Master Mold team, but he's actually teching a lot for defense more than most because he's got both the uh, rare Drax as well as the rare Deken. The rare Deken is what he used in our last game, which was fascinating because he actually managed to slow me down a fair bit. But even then, I got him down to 5 life, so Deken was useless by that point, and he needed to get 12 damage through or I was going to probably run him over with Barry. And he got just enough thanks to, of all things, the Drax Global. So, yeah, he, he rolled a lot of shields, and so it, it worked out for him. It was a really well-built and well-run team by Andy, so looking forward to seeing how it does the rest of the way. So we are between rounds three and rounds four, is that right? Is that right? So uh, what is, what's your record right now, Deloria? My current record is two and one. Okay. Dana, tell me about your team. Uh, I'm running Master Mold. Uh, again, like Laurie was talking about with Deken as one of my defensive pieces on the team. So far it's going really well. Master Mold is rolling. Got off to a good start going 3-0 against one Super Rare Thor and two Master Mold Mirror matches. Great. What's your experience so far? Any tricky technical sophistication going on? Well, I kind of am interested in hearing about some of the chess match aspects going on. You guys, what do you think? The only thing so far with a lot of these Master Mold Mirror matches is just trying to figure out how to get the edge. So there's a little bit of, I guess, chess thinking in terms of figuring out what you need to attack with and not attack with when you force your opponent to attack versus not, uh, and how you try and win the war of attrition. But that's that's about the only thing I've noticed so far. How about you, uh, In my case, I've been running Barry Allen, and all I've played against were Master Mold teams. So in my case, it really is a race. Pure race to get the damage compared to Master Mold. So Deken is actually a really smart play against that strategy because it actually forces you to deal damage in chunks instead otherwise you leave your field completely empty so it's actually very interesting because i think there's not that many master mold teams that have the ken on right now so uh, yeah so far it's probably just those two that are three and oh interesting well maybe that's some of the key to maybe we'll see more of that that combination that's that's cool basically it costs you a turn or two you know instead you can't do your alpha swing as like you want to with a berry team right well for berry berry does not want to use the ken because more often than not you're going to have to have less sidekicks on the board you, you sacrifice board presence more than anything else whereas for master mold you sacrifice your sidekicks the only point of failing your sidekicks is really to get them out of the bag because uh, your your main source of damage usually are your sentinel tokens 
So Master Mold, and the Ken is a fantastic fit in the Master Mold team. It makes a lot of sense. And any uh, technical sophistication going on that you saw that was, or something surprising, anything jump out of the woodwork and make you go, huh? For Andy's team, again, the Drax. I was thinking I would not see a Drax today because of the way he was ruled, but not only was he there, but his global, of all things, is what won Andy the game. So that was a nice piece of tech that I should have expected to see more of. Interesting that the global on Drax is not the thing we think about with him at all, and yet there it is. That's cool. How about you, Dan? Anything? Uh, there's been some interesting use of the Arch Nemesis global, again on Andy's team, which we're talking about a lot. Uh, he was using it as a tech against plant tokens, which I thought was really cool by switching the attack and the defense basically KOs the plant tokens for a shield, which is a good way of kind of thinning out the field and pushing more tokens through. Interesting. That's the old dwarf wizard thing from way back in the day. Well, thank you guys for talking to me. I'm seeing Andy here, and I'm going to take the opportunity. Seeing as we're kind of talking about him, I hear his ears. There's an old saying in Irish, which means speak the name of an angel and you'll hear his wings flap. So uh, I'm going to go over there and talk to him right now. Andy, so... Here you are. You're top seed right now after round three. You've been kicking proverbial bootay here, as they say in France. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> so so tell, me, tell me what's going on. Uh, I'm running a master mold team, and I figured out kind of over the last week or so that I could build a little bit of a toolbox around it, a lot of shield stuff. So I'm running a spot that can make something not block on the energized face so that I can try to sneak through some extra damage. I'm running the Deken with a force attack so I can take a huge hit and lose seven. I've got the rare Joker in there and the Robin, super rare. So I've got a couple of things so I can run through and board clear, and if I see an opportunity, I've got Drax. Tell me a little bit about the rare Joker. The rare Joker is a favorite, honestly. I've played with it in draft a couple of times and had a blast with it. So it'll deal a damage to a sidekick, so it clears out one blocker. And then you can re-roll a non-sidekick. So it's got potential to clear out another blocker. It's a one-for-two trade if it works, because the Joker has to be KO'd right away. So, yeah, that's one of the other tools that I wanted on there to try to just clear things out. I was realizing with my Master Mold, I could fill up the field, but I was always just a little bit of damage short in tough matches. So I put tons of stuff to board clear and tons of shields so that if I miss on Master Mold, I've got opportunities to make those purchases. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Laurier was talking about you using Drax more for the pump. Yes. The shield pump, then for the yes. card itself. So That's against, great. Against Laurier, my last turn, uh, I was going to be two damage short. He had enough blockers to keep three of my tokens, I think it was. So I could sneak through one token. And the Deccan, I actually fielded him because I had shields. So I had Deccan, a sidekick, four shields because I missed Master Mold. And I was able to pump twice with Drax to get the 12 damage I had to finish it off. So you did, I know you did, we, I met you when we were dropping Lucan off at uh, St. Olaf. Yeah. And you were talking at that time about having done a bunch of playtesting with Charlie, by the way. Where is Charlie? Is he coming tomorrow? What's the plan? Yeah, Charlie's rolling in this afternoon, actually. His flight gets in around 4 o'clock. So we should see him tonight at the fan appreciation event. Great. Um, It's never a true WizKids event without Charlie Cates being here. So... After your playtesting, is this kind of panning out like kind of how you playtested it, or what do you think? It's working pretty well. I mean, the Master Mold is so fast that I shouldn't really have to reach for the other pieces of tech, but each game I've had to grab something. So it was, you know, Robin to try to clear out something against Ian and uh, the Ken to just take damage from Barry Allen against Laurier, and I feel like I've got pieces in place. I'm hoping they're the right ones today. Cool. Well, thank you so much for talking to our, our inside man here with the Ministry of Dice. Yes, there is the Ministry of Dice. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Talk to you later, man. Thanks, Good sir. luck.
Round four. All right, so here I'm at the top table here. That was the end of round four. And it was Dana, also known as General Nemesis. Am I got that right? That's right. All right. And Andy, what's your handle, Andy? Andy612. 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 It was the area code. I love it. Okay, so tell me about your game. It looks like a good Master Mold match-off. So. Master Mold on Master Mold game, yeah. And how'd it go? Dana picked up the win. So, huge. It's It was, and I talked to Dana a lot during this game. Well, he gave me uh, smiles and nodded. Um, <laughs> but I'm trying to figure out how to tech Just against a Master Mold team as well. So this was really fun for me to see how Dana was running his team and see what kind of decisions I'm going to be put in as well. And what, what was the deciding factor in the game ultimately? Uh, I feel like I got lucky with an early Master Mold and was able to do 11 damage out of the gate so it kind of negated Andy's Deken defensive piece because oh. uh, his life got down pretty low pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, he stormed back with a massive field of tokens and if I didn't have Deken myself I would have lost but I was able to just hold on long enough to push through with the big swing at the end. Yeah. And how and how did you get the how did the big swing happen at the end? Out of curiosity, were the walls up or were the uh, shields up? The shields are up, but uh, villainous pack doesn't care about the shields. So it was villainous pack for the win. Okay. Yeah, you do not create villain tokens. You just create unaffiliated tokens which cannot block right. the villainous pack. So. So it sounds like an interesting super tactical game. Any kind of critical moments that happen where the tide turns, so to speak? Oh, man. Uh, I feel like, like I said, the first, the third turn, I think was lucky. I got a lucky Master Mold pull. Didn't have good odds of getting out of the bag because uh, I didn't have the right energy in my early turns. But I think that that was really what put me in the driver's seat from the beginning. And there, there was the one turn where I spent those two question marks rather than waiting to force stuff to attack, where I think I could have pulled something off. I don't think it was a win, though. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, these are the kind of things you look back at. And I always find the game will teach you your mistakes. It will punish you for the mistakes you made and sometimes reward you for the right decisions sometimes. So uh, anything, did you feel like, being, being the guy who didn't come out on top this time, do you feel like there was any moment where you made a mistake that you would learn from in the game? You're talking about learning. So what, what, what were the lessons that you gleaned here? Honestly, when I mean, those two question marks, that was a tough decision because your bag pull is what made me think I should have kept him back. Yeah, had you pulled anything else, it was the right call. It's it's one of those 50-50 decisions, and, you know, you put me in that decision, Dana. So that's it's I love putting my opponent into difficult decisions, and tables turned. And how about you? Did you have anything where you feel like, ah, I made a tough call at one point, 50-50, and it turned out to be the right call? Or? No, I don't think so. It, it seemed to go pretty smooth. I, I missed a couple Master Mold rolls, which put me in the back foot in the middle game a little bit. But one of the, the benefits of this kind of team is you really don't need to buy all that much. So you just kind of focus on cycling through the bag, using Deken to cling on to the strands of life, and then <laughs> hope for a good pull. So. Cool. Oh, yeah, I like the builds, guys. Very, very, both of you guys really super creative and just the utility on it it's all kind of running in a very seamless kind of you know synergistic manner so good luck i'm assuming you guys are both headed to the top eight so good luck final round so i'm sitting here just got my butt handed to me at the top table by dana it was really well played and uh it was a, it was a full-on street stomp down my face was in the curb i was drooling in the gutter it was bad but I'm still smiling because I'm four and one. I'm going to make the top eight. You know, you live, live to fight another day, even if I'm kind of, I can't find my mouthpiece and I'm staggering back to the corner. But, <laughs> Dana, you know, any advice for this poor sap of a loser across the table from you right now? Uh, no, just next time roll Thor, I think would be my <laughs> biggest piece of advice. 
that helps, right? <laughs> that would help. But I'm, I'm sitting next to a much more interesting game, it seemed like. At table two, I couldn't help but keep kind of poking my eye out of the side of my eye here. We had Rob and Andy May playing here. Rob, you're running a Master Mold team, so it was a Master Mirror, right? What, tell, well, tell me about your team a little bit. I, haven't get a chance, I didn't get a chance to really properly look at it. I think the only difference in my Master Mold build that I haven't seen yet today is I'm running Lalandra. So if I can't reach for the full six for Master Mold, I grab Lalandra for five, and it's super rare Lalandra. And my opponent is paying two life to use a global or an action die. It came in handy in one game. So I got to believe in this global heavy meta. People burn themselves down badly with it. Or? It's only I've only purchased it in one game, and it, it was very valuable. Right. Yeah, right. it was good. She's one of those ones. Well, same with Genzo back in the day, man. It was like, yeah, that sounds good, but blah blah blah. blah. And when you actually get it on the table, you just see people commit suicide with that thing. You know? That's pretty much it. Yeah. So, what happened in this game? Uh, well, I had to face off against uh, the master strategist, Andy May, and he got the he got the better of me. No, I'll tell you what really happened. Uh, there was a draw where Rob had four sidekicks and a master mold in his bag, and he drew four sidekicks. Yep. It's the draws and rolls are, like, so huge in this meta, right? Yeah, it happens. Yeah, I think that happened in our game, right? I, you pulled out that master mold when you needed it, and I was, I was a little bit late on my Thor, and it was just game over, man. <laughs> you know? Well, any, any insights now that I think we're all headed to the top eight? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think so. What are, any, what are you, any thoughts going in? What's any thoughts, feelings, uh, reflections? I'm, I'm waiting for Patrick's out of left field team to show up and see what that does because I haven't had a chance to kind of walk around and see any other games that are going on. So I'm curious to see what he's got because I'm pretty sure he is almost into top eight right now. I have to echo that. I mean, I think there's a few surprises yet we have to see, and I, I, I haven't seen Patrick's team either. Patrick's team is scary. It's, it's scary. it's a scary, scary team. Also Dana's team. Dana's team is. It's really well-constructed, well-built. Dana, you mentioned that you were testing with Peter, and have you done a lot of testing? What was your preparation coming into this? Because I looking at your team, it does seem really well-crafted. Yeah, well, I have to give a big shout-out to the DM United crew. All four of them, Spug, Peter, Ben, and James, donated huge amounts of their time to help me playtest. Ben and James, in particular, gave me hours and hours of gameplay in the, in the month or two leading up. So just constant, relentless gameplay, been putting me through the paces against any kind of manner of team they could come up with. Yep. And then just exposure to those types of situations helped me kind of fine craft some of the support pieces. Yep. That showed in our game today. I was like, Ugh, man, I'm just, I'm kind of dead in the water, you know. Yeah, so that's something that I hadn't done for previous events, so I definitely wanted to put more emphasis on actually practice gameplay, and it's, it's made a big difference so far. Excellent, excellent. All right, well, there you have it. Uh, we're headed for Top Cut. We should have answers to that probably, what, about half hour from now? All right, so checking in with Lucan at the end of Swiss. Lucan, how did you do? Tell me about your day. I went three and two, so I got pummeled in the first round against a Master Mold, just the way it worked out. Uh, and the second one I won, that was against a, uh, a Thor team. And then the third game, I was up against a uh, Barry Allen Vulcan slap. And that one was pretty close. And then it just, he got the, the role he needed at the last moment on that one. And I was just on the back foot a little bit. I was ahead and I was behind. Then after that, I played Craig Huebner and his Bizarro team. And that was super fun, but uh, I did win that one. 
and then in my final round, I played against another Barry Allen rush, and I got a god roll on turn four, and that was the end of that. Just for the listeners again, what were you running today? Oh, I was running a Starro with Frontline, and then a bunch of supporting elements, a bunch of globals, Harley, Batman. Which Harley? Uh, the Common. It was fun. I don't know, well, I, what I do know is that I will not be playing it tomorrow, or if I do, definitely with some pretty major modifications, because... If it fires, you can go pretty far, but with Starro having the stipulation that you have to re-roll him on level 3, and then beyond that also having to roll all the other pieces like you would normally have to do in every other team, getting your turn 4 working well is not that likely, and unfortunately a lot of the tech that works for stopping Master Mold, and to a lesser extent Barry Allen, also works against Starro, sometimes to an even more intense degree. So it is what it is. I didn't have too high hopes for today, and I finished pretty much in the middle. So, yeah, no. Right. Did you have fun? That's the most important thing. Did you have a good time? Yes, I did. And I'm I'm enjoying being around the Dice Masters community for the first time and, like, beyond Los Angeles for the first time since 2019. Yeah. And that's just, that's really, really good. Well, I have to say on the air, it's so good to have you, see you here, you know, in the flesh, so to speak. And I'm actually a little envious of you right now because my favorite part of doing Dice Masters is still drafting, and now you get to go off and draft. I don't think you've made the cut. I mean, there's outside possibility. I already talked to Nick. He said that my strength of schedule is not strong enough for that, which is fine because, yeah, I do get to draft. You Um, get to draft, which is way more fun. i got to play a whole bunch more games, and my team isn't designed. I love the best of three Swiss. I love that. Yeah, no, it's really (laughs) fun. I I shouldn't be complaining. It's great to be top eight. I just uh, my team isn't built. My team is like a similar to your team in some ways, and it's and it's kind of a crapshoot team, and you know, which is fun to play. I wanted to play something fun, but odds of it going the distance are uh, unlikely. (laughs) No, I I love Swiss. Is honestly, I probably prefer drafting to Swiss, but the top cut with the best of three games and. When you go down to time, those last five turns take as long as the rest of the game combined. Yeah. I know it sounds miserable from the outside, but that I is a that. very wonderful experience, yes, right? It so. is. And the crickets are chirping and the crowds are gathering around, and it's really a fun time of the, you know, when, when you get down to that last cut. And everything. Yeah. All right. Let's go have lunch. Top eight, ranked first, Dana Patton. Ranked second, Andy May. Ranked third, Arge O'Neill. Rank four, Ian Porter. Rank five, Patrick Barley. Rank six, Laurier. Rank seven, Robert L. And rank eight, Dwayne. The rest of top 16 gets prizes. I'm not reading them all. Okay, so I'm here with Mr. Laurier. We, unfortunately, I don't want to say unfortunately because it's always a joy to play you, good sir, but unfortunately in the sense that it mashed up at first. I was thinking maybe it'd be more fun down the line, but as fate would have it, we had our, our rematch in the top eight cut. And it was, basically I was running a, I have Thor and Jubilee, but really it's a Starro team. <laughs> it's Starro Frontline. I love Starro Frontline. It's fast and you got to get lucky. And, Laurier, why don't you tell us about your team again? Okay, so my team was a Barry Rush team. It was actually really straightforward. Its design philosophy is literally ram, ramp, and removal. That's, <laughs> right. That is the team. So it's, it wasn't a team that was necessarily teched for a world's level of stuff, but it was just the uh, shock and awe kind of tactic with Barry Allen, get as many characters on the field as you can, and charge in. Shock and awe is a good description of it. Fortunately, I had the rare Mr. Mind, which copies win attacks abilities, which 
gave you some problems in our first match, but like a good player, you quickly adjusted and kind of made it work. Our first game, I think Mr. Mind helped a little bit. You had to play around him. Talk about that a little bit, if you would. Okay. Okay. So the first game that we played in Swiss, the problem was that I did not. You had Mr. Mind on the board. I had Barry on the board. I attacked. The issue I had was simply that I did not have a bolt saved up to KO my Barry Allen before your attack step. So your Barry, you you essentially copied my Barry Allen's ability with your Mr. Mind, and that was the game, plain and simple. Right. But in our now in our top eight games, it was a little bit different. I would yeah. I could adjust and I did adjust, but uh, and so I would not keep my Barry on the board when you had Mr. Mind. But you adjusted as well by going for Frontline and Starro instead, which was actually a really really smart strategy because Starro obviously steals my sidekicks that I rely upon. So. You actually had a great tech against me. Right. But then the challenge you had is when I bought Tombstone <laughs> to get your Mr. Mind and out of the way and keep him out of the way. Well, this is what I want to talk about because it was this is like a great chess match, not just in one game, but kind of a chess match across three games, which I thought was interesting. So, so the first game I got, I got my Mr. Mind and he was kind of mucking with your thing. And I think I got Frontline or something. Somehow front. I got you in the first of the three. Yeah, Frontline and Starro. That's front how you got me. Frontline and Starro. And Mr. Mind was just kind of running interference in, in between allowing me to get to there. Then the second game, you made a total adjustment. You kind of like, whoa, I got this tombstone who could really shut down Mr. Mind if I can get him off yeah. the board. Yeah. And I had a Mr. Mind and I was like, ooh, tombstone's no good. And you took the, you took the second game with a big alpha strike. Yes. So, so then it went to the third game. So then, then we then I, we then I just want to talk about the second game real quick before sure. we uh, continue, because what happened is that I did not even need to use tombstones uh, per se. I bought him. Yeah. He was in my rotation. Yep. And on the very last turn of game two, I actually did an alpha strike with Barry, but I had fists saved up thanks to tombstone <laughs> rolling energy actually, yeah, yeah. and my frontline global. <laughs> well, I had the frontline global as well. Right. So essentially, I had six characters attacking so yep. everything had plus five attack my sidekicks were minimum six attack yep you rolled that sidekick when you needed it and it yep. was just enough yeah yes so essentially six attackers three blockers on your end so three were going to go through for 18 damage yep and to deal those last points i used the frontline global to make sure that you had to pay life to be able to block and yep. that's how i got that that's game. it it was really really well played but seeing you do the tombstone thing made me think hmm Mr. Mine maybe not such a good buy, so I just decided to go speed, Starro speed, frontline, and basically I rolled a ton of sidekicks, and that was the story of that last game, I think. Yeah, that was the story of that uh, last game, because you had six or seven sidekicks rolled by the time you were attacked. Yeah, and I literally took a burn on my yeah. last turn, because it, it was just like, if frontline rolls, I win, if not, well, you know, good game, but so... Exactly, <laughs> and the issue I ran into... I should not have bought Barry that third game. I should not have done that. Pivoting now, what would you have done? Thinking back on it now, I probably would have just gone Starro, like heavy on the Starro, heavy on the removal, to uh, essentially thin out your board, and then probably pivoted to a front line later, seeing as you had the Thor right. Global to make him cheaper. That's what I was wondering. Did that cross your mind at any point? Because you could have just played my team, because you had yeah. the Starro. Any thought on that? Yeah, it, it did cross my mind again in that yeah. third game, in that one turn, and I made the wrong call, I think. But th we'll never know, really. Could have, because really, it would have been a, a roll off of how many sidekicks you can get, and clearly, your sidekick dice loved you very much that third game. They did, they did. I, I, I literally said a little hail mary and uh, give myself a cross, and and thank God, and I mean that literally, <laughs> I got some sidekicks. 
But, you know, it's fun. I, I, I thought about that when I built this stupid team a couple of nights ago. Well, somebody could just have, if they have Starro on their team, and I know when we see Starro, they could just play my team. But I figured there's so many other things that they're going to be wanting to do that I thought maybe people won't go for it, you know? So Here's the thing with Starro. He's a bit of a risky one to go for, seeing yeah. as he can't roll level 3. The common Starro, to be clear, in case anyone had any confusion listening. <laughs> we're talking about the common Starro here, that when he attacks, he steals two sidekicks. But the risk is worth it in a Barry Allen team. Because in a Barry Allen team, you're yeah. going for numbers. And not only do you lessen the blockers, increase your attackers, and you increase Barry's buff, yep. which is what helped me all day. He was surprisingly easy to go for all day. I, I didn't mind KOing a Psychic of Dark Phoenix to go for Starro because how, of how important that was to, first of all, go after the Psychics, and second of all, kind of make my opponent think twice before using the Mr. Sinister Global, the yeah. rare, to be clear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it, your team is really great. I think we were talking earlier about matchups and the important matchups in this game. Like, you know, I, I feel like my team was... It wasn't your best matchup. It was a decent matchup for me. I'm worried about, like, I'm going and seeing some of the other teams on the table are going to probably wreck my face, you know, where you might have had a better chance of that. It's just these, these things happen. Any thoughts on matchups and things like that? Well, uh, you nailed it on the head. Every, every time there's a top eight cut, I said it back at Worlds in 2019 that any of the top eight of that tournament could have won Worlds, and, this, and the same holds true today. Anyone that's in top eight in that tournament, those are solid teams with great pilots, I mean, just to give you an idea, uh, an, an example from 2019, since we don't know how today's going to end up, but in 2019, my top four matchup was against Robert Leveillé. Yeah. He was running Iceman, and he had a really good Iceman team. Yes, he did. But I had the uh, Fish Slap, mm -hmm. and where, where I had teched in the uh, Samantha Wilson Global to right. uh, counter the ping. Right. So I had the great counter against him, but then I went up against Ben Scott in the final, and Ben Scott was the only team in the meta that could generate a huge amount of sidekick, uh, of mass. Uh, mask energy yep. to counter my sidekick rush. Yep. So he was the worst matchup for me, but if Rob had been up against him, Rob would have wrecked him. Uh, probably. So, you know, that's them's the breaks. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. We've got, right now, we've got two pairs of Master Mold teams going up against each other. So we know at least two of those Master Molds are going to be eliminated. All right, so uh, Rob, you just came off your top eight match with Andy May. I did, yes. It was a uh, vicious uh, chess match. I have some questions for you. Sure, um, what do you got? So you were both running Master Mold teams. Correct. Uh, Andy's was with the Ken and with Drax, and you brought one with uh, Taunt Globals, but also with an aspect of control with Poison Ivy and Melandra, and then Villainous Pact as a board fleet. Right. So the first question I had is, how did you lean very heavily into Taunt? How did that end up mixing with Melandra and Poison Ivy? For the day, you mean? For the day, yeah. I didn't end up buying <coughs> Poison Ivy at all today. Melandra worked out really well in the one game that I did purchase her. And I purchased her because I didn't have six to get Master Molds, but I had five for Melandra. So I got that, and it worked out very well. And uh, why did you never reach for Poison Ivy? It just didn't happen. Like, uh, there just wasn't the opportunity. I mean, once the Master Mold started coming, it was either that or it was try to get Villainous Pact. And unfortunately, Villainous Pact was my undoing today. All right. And I think Deken was the difference. So Andy was running Deken, and it's, it saved his bacon for sure. Absolutely. It buys you at least three turns. Yes. You know, i say hypothetically, completely hypothetically, right. there is somebody who is trying to take a heavy dose of inspiration from your team. Okay. Um, would you recommend that they would uh, take Villainous Pact off and then if they're playing in a mirror match against another Master Mold, go earlier into the Poison Ivy and then lead into your own win con second? That's not a bad idea. If you take Villainous Pact off, 
use your Poison Ivy and name the Sentinel tokens. Um, that's a really good defense. It's solid. In, uh, in some playtesting, I was playing some different teams that weren't Master Mold, and that Poison Ivy was really made a difference. It really slowed down a Master Mold team. Even with the taunts on your own team? Yeah. Okay. Because I was running True Believer as well, so if oh. they forced attacked my Poison Ivy, you could just I had two masks to bring her back. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. It worked out well. But I didn't run that today. Yeah. I went a little more aggressive. I went super aggressive on this one. But these guys, you know, they got some great tech. They ran some great cards, and they played really solid games. That was a real chess match. I think both Andy and I were just sweating bullets after that game. Yeah, no, that I match was good. I saw, especially the first game where it was like, it was a bit stalled until the first yeah. villainous patch came out, where it's just like, oh god, what's, what's going to happen here? And the second game, the villainous packs hit the table early, which meant that we knew the game was going to be shorter, yeah. but it was still very intense. Once I reached for it in the second game, he went for villainous packs. Yeah. Times two, he got two. Yeah, it took two to get take me down, but yeah, congrats to Andy, and I hope he does well with the rest of the tournament. Me too, all right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thanks a lot. So Ian, you just finished your top four round with Dana. Uh, how did it go? What are you both running? Uh, it went horribly for me. Dana lights out. Great pulls, great rolls, knew exactly what he had to do. I was running uh, off-meta common anti-monitor, paired up with rare Vulcan to kind of keep the field clear on their side. Anti-monitor to help deal with the master mold. Did not pan out in those two games. Uh, also with the uncommon Deathbird. So when they have a character KO'd with 3D or greater, they take three damage. Worked pretty well in a lot of other games, just didn't hit for me in these two. And that was where the majority of your damage was coming from in those games? From the Deathbird um, or just from combat damage after Vulcan had removed most of the field? It was kind of half and half. Some games I had a good bit of damage from Deathbird. I think maybe John I was playing, I ended up managing to do 12 damage on one turn with Deathbird. And then other games where any monitor kind of came in and was swinging through the empty fields and doing six, seven damage at a time. And uh, after having seen a, a bit of the uh, meta for this year, is there anything that you feel maybe could be replaced this night, or are you just sticking with that again? I think I'm going to stick with it again. Outside of, that that can handle a berry team okay. Master Mold is really, really rough. It's really hard to outpace. I think everybody's seeing that. Just kind of where we are, where it can be bought and prepped so quickly. There's not just a 100% answer to that, so I think I'm I think I'm good with what I got. It worked well today, and I think I'll just see where it takes me tomorrow. And uh, Anti-Monitor, are you getting enough of a board presence advantage in order to take care of their tokens of Master Molds as they're coming out, usually? Or? As long as the rolls hit, yeah. it's I can usually get, between Sinister and rolls, I can get three or four sidekicks out pretty quickly and kind of pace them on the, on the tokens. And a lot of times they're knocking out their mold to get the, to get the next token, and so... You're just getting more of a field presence advantage. Yeah, I mean, I'm just waiting for one of them to not roll Master Mold at some point, and then maybe I'll actually get a bit more. If that happens and I can keep Sinister out, then I can get a, like you said, a field presence, but otherwise... Uh, you feel that you can keep pace pretty well with the Master Mold in most cases, so long as both of, either both of you or neither of you get the rolls, mm -hmm. you're keeping pace? Yeah, I think if, uh, if rolls are about even, usually I can keep pace to not necessarily win, but make an interesting game. How was your top eight match? Uh, top eight match with Patrick was uh, chess match all the way. First game he had my number. I, I couldn't stay on top of what was going on. I'm sorry, I said first game. Second game. First game I, I was able to kind of uh, jump out and do some damage and kind of uh, he couldn't quite get his pieces in play. Second game his Wonder Woman came into play and really, really shut me down. And I couldn't get the purchases. I couldn't get the energy up to kind of control the field. I think I got those games right. I might have them reversed. Everything's mixing. 
And third game, it just kind of came down to the last turn. I was able to put Vulcan and any monitor in the field and uh, wipe his field. And I, he was down enough life. He'd taken, he, he went with the decision to go with Bagburn, lowered his life enough to, to let me swing through and deal the damage. It was just a, it was one of those where uh, I think I had five dice going in the bag at the end of the turn, so I, I got lucky and Vulcan came out, and it, it was what let me go through. We were we were to turns in that match, so it was it was pretty close. I also noticed that you had Gene Gray on your team, the four-cost uncommon, I believe. Yeah. Um, how did that work out for you today? Is that an absolute you know, destroyer of global addiction? Uh, if I can... If the game is slow enough to me to get to her, yeah. She's one that's kind of paid off with Barry. If I can get Vulcan first against Barry, that usually really slows him down. And then since Barry is wanting sidekicks and anything out in the field, she's usually my second purchase. And between the two, I can kind of slow him down and keep him controlled. But I saw one Barry on the day, and he didn't even have a chance to buy Barry. It was Charlie, and uh, we, we've practiced against each other so many times. That was our fifth game in Swiss. Normally he goes for Drax, and for whatever reason, he didn't go for Drax, and that let me kind of keep some speed up and kind of get those two pieces out there and kind of shut him down a little bit, and he was using Arctic Breath on his Vulcan, so kind of keep it in the field, and then I was able to attack unblocked with a couple of bigger ones. And how are we finding Vulcan in terms of accessibility? What what ways are you usually getting up to um, with it? And if you are opening with it, how is that affecting your ability to uh, continue with uh, heavy level of churn down the line and be able to get up to things that are as expensive as anti-monitor? Or... Uh, so he is at six. Uh, Vulcan's my most expensive. I do have that uh, rare Doctor Strange, but that's a that's a reach and that's a desperate last, last ditch effort there. So with Sinister and Villainous Pact and Wolverine in the game. Vulcan, if I go second, Vulcan's typically, it's been a pretty regular turn two purchase and prep. So looking at fielding in turn three. Bag is a little iffy following turn, but usually that gives me some time to reestablish bag flow. I'm not looking for big pieces after that. Deathbird's a three cost. Robin, if I can go that way, is a three cost. So if you need, if you've got get Vulcan out, you're not looking to get anti-monitor anytime soon. Not, not desperate to get him out. I can usually slow it down a little bit. Master Mold's usually the team that I'm worried about. It just moves so quickly that I, it's, I've got time for one, one purchase. It's typically anti-monitor. That's what lets me kind of get that just slow them down a little bit and like I said I'm just looking for master mold to miss a roll and then I can kind of relax into something else but as far as the rest of it goes yeah if I can get Vulcan first I've usually got a little bit of time. How many master molds did you go up against today and how did uh, each of those go aside from the last match with Dana? I saw my first master mold was Andy. Did not go well. I missed the anti-monitor roll early and uh, that just kind of put me behind on field presence and he played it well. Just if I miss that, is if they know what they're doing, then I'm in trouble. Second was Henry. His rolls, missed his rolls early. Uh, got more sidekicks than he needed. He didn't really have a whole lot of prep, and so I'm not sure if he looked to see what I had. He may have, but he had the rare Moon Knight. Copied his She-Hulk. She's the one. If she's active, you can field something. He got that early, but I think he missed. I think he was wanting Master Mold next and didn't have the right rolls for it. I don't remember what he went with on the next purchase. So he just, his... His purchase was off because of his energy rolls, and so he just he finally got to it. But at that point, I had Vulcan and Anti Monitor in the field. I had the presence. I actually had two Anti Monitors at that point, so I had. He's a beefy guy. I was able to take all of his tokens and characters out, and I had Deathbird, so I, I did nine damage by taking out his tokens, and then I had big guys going through unblocked, and it was. Uh, Easy in the sense that I, I, I wasn't pressured, but uh, he had a he had a team he could have easily messed with me. And then uh, I think it was John. 
that was him not rolling the villains pack. That's all it was. He had the he had the, the board presence. He had all the tokens he needed, and he missed that villains pack. I, I had a couple of villains in Deathbird, but not enough to stop what he had coming at me. So he was set to go. I was able to come in and uh, with Deathbird again. He had 13 life. I was able to take out four of his tokens and lower him to one. That was another game where Bagburn did the trick. He had one life left and took a Bagburn on the next turn, and that's what got it. Um, so it was a lot of a lot of close games, a lot of nothing that I just walked away feeling like I. One of Evans, one thing that my dad and I have been talking about recently is that the backswing in this meta is really intense. Oh. So, like you know, if you and that's why you know Andy right now, I think part of why he's doing so well is he's dropping that rare to Ken. Mm-hmm. That, that buys you three turns, right? You talk about things that buy you turns. Yeah. Can buy you three turns because you can't get one turn kill for that thing. And it, it allows you to, to swing without having to. You can take risks and not have to worry yeah. about the whole thing of backswing. How well does anti monitor allow you to you know nip out a little bit, but also stay defensive when that inevitable backswing comes? Um, not as well as I'd like, and that was part of the problem here with Dana here at the end. Was I just when it's coming through? If I have to clear my field to clear their field. And then he's got, like I said, he didn't miss that that master mold. So you know, he's automatically come back with a token. And what's he rolled him on level three a couple times. So he's coming at me with a five five token and an eight whatever that guy is. And so it's just, I can eat that once, and then I'm sitting there not not looking pretty. I might have bag management on him, but if I miss an anti monitor, but uh, yeah, sometimes the uh, the choice in some games is if I don't have to clear the entire field maybe just go ahead and KO the anti-monitor instead of letting it through. That way maybe I can come back and clear the field the next time around. It's a risky piece to play with. Even when you think you're safe, the backswing will still get yeah. you right now. Yeah, I mean, it's in all of our play testing, some of these guys, they, you know, I'd be sitting there trying to figure this out and, oh, I miss Master Mold. Let's, let's buy another Master Mold. And so they got one game against Pete in all of our play testing. He had three Master Molds rolling at me. And I was like, how do you... What do you do with that? I mean, they're feeling everything I can do in order to spend all the energy I need to draw what I need. Yeah. Where are you finding six extra energy yeah. twice? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's miss master mold, and like that's that's a danger. You miss master mold, and unless you're facing a berry team, you're probably going to be still be alive to roll it again later. I miss animon or something like that, and he, you know, if he doesn't miss and I miss, then I'm probably not living much longer, and that's that's what happened. Lost three, and all of them were very well piloted master mold teams. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm not sure. I probably misplayed somewhere in there, but I don't think so. I'm not 100%. I wish it was on stream so I could check and see. Did I make a mistake? Probably. Probably. You should really practice your turns, and if you've, you know what I mean? And I didn't do, I, I didn't practice team, let alone practicing the turns. So you get there, and you're like, what die should I buy? I think I want to buy this die, and then you don't roll the energy you need. You're like, oh. I should have had a backup plan for this for this game for this event. Uh, how do you feel? That the belt is changing hands one way or another today. Yeah, uh, it's, it's going to be tough. Where it's very very much a mirror match. We have some slight differences in the team, so I think it's really going to come down to some chest maneuvering uh, and who's able to roll master mold more consistently. So you, you guys matched up once before in Swiss, right? We did, yeah. I was able to take that one down mostly because I was able to get a big chunk of damage in early. So his Deken was neutered at that point. So it'd be great if I could do that again. <laughs> so just for those of you who can't see in a podcast, but Nick has just put the lovely U.S. Championship Dice Masters belt on the table. It's been residing in my household for the last three years. My wife will be, oh, yeah, there is only one. I am still the best, yeah. <laughs> but 
<laughs> but it is changing hands. My wife will be utterly grateful for to you or or to Andy to take this thing out of our office and off the table. So. Uh, any thoughts coming into this final round? How are you, how are you feeling? How do you, how's your stamina holding up after? Uh, okay, I got a little bit of a headache going, but otherwise feeling okay. I'm glad this is the last round for sure. It's been a long day. So this is Dana, by the way. I'm sure you probably recognize the voice by this point in the podcast. But yeah, so it's uh, just after five, and we've been here since about eight thirty. So it's been a long day. Tell me about you know. Obviously, I was playing over on the other table. What happened in your last match? What? Uh, give me the rundown and play by play if you can, if you remember it. Uh, I was playing against Ian with a Deathbird anti-monitor team. Interesting anti-master mold potential, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I would have thought so. I, it's not something that I had tested against, not something that I would expect it, but the games went really smoothly. I, I didn't miss a roll. Master mold came consistently. And I was just able to overwhelm pretty quickly, getting a villainous pact early, the, the kind of standard game plan, and he just wasn't able to keep my field thin enough. Them's the breaks in here. Yeah, you've been on fire rolling the Master Mold today. And at least from the games I've seen that you've played, I've seen you just, you, he has come up. What how, what would you say the percentage for him rolling for you? Oh, I don't know. Like, it's high. I'd say over 80%. Obviously, you're showing how it can be done. Yeah, well, I'd, uh, I guess I've been lucky. So better to be better to be lucky than good sometimes. <laughs> as they say, as they say. Well, awesome. Well, good luck. I'm really looking forward to watching this final game with you guys. And I do want to talk with uh, Andy if I get a moment just to, while it's still in my mind, what happened in the game. Just before you stop. Hi, Arge. You did reiterate the fact that this man is playing for the U.S. National Championship and has never played in person before. Thank you for bringing that up. How does it? How does this compare? You know, I, I'm a big proponent for live events. Yeah. You know, but what, what's your feel? Now you're first time, so what's what's your feeling on this? Yeah, like it's it's uh, it's a game that translates really well online. But like a lot of things, there's something to be said for the human interaction that you get with an in-person event. So yes. just being able to see the person across the table instead of just their hands and having some of that conversation that you don't always get online, uh, you can't really replace that. So definitely uh, loving it so far. Like gameplay-wise, it's. No real difference that I've been able to notice, but... I find that I can't, whatever reason, because it's digital or something, I can't wrap my head around my opponent's globals or track their dice or stuff. I find that it's difficult online. Do you feel that way too or not? Yeah, it, it definitely is easier just to kind of look right across from the table from you, and it, uh, my neck is definitely appreciative of that. I don't have to strain to look at the laptop to the right. side, so... Yeah, definitely it's a little bit easier to keep track of things, for sure. But since I brought most of the globals in existence on my team, I don't really need to be overly concerned about what my opponent has anyway. Well, before we forget, or I should say before I forget, because I'm getting a little dotty in my old age here, let's talk about our games, because we just had an epic SmackDown, Thor versus Master Mole. Kind of a horror show. Yeah, <laughs> it, was a, it was an interesting thing. Now, I'm trying to even remember, who won the first game between the two of us? You, you I won did. The first game. I won the yep. first game. Okay, so Thor came to, out. I needed to be Rocky. I had to get one, yeah. Thor and Jubilee out, and yes. I started hitting you for massive oh, burn, burn damage. damage but ridiculous. you got your master mole going. It was still nip and tuck, right? To like, I had to roll, yeah. and I just rolled and got you. I think at the yes. after a long epic struggle. I think we had like what twenty five minutes left, maybe when we started oh, to say game two. Yeah. And then game two. Tell me, walk us walk through <laughs> game two if you can remember. Game two was the double master mold by. Yes, he two. went double master mold. I basically just flooded the field with so many tokens that you couldn't stop at all. Right, and, and I missed a Thor once or something. Exactly. Like that. So at the end of the game, I had enough damage to win as long as I used a Drax global and yeah. a frontline global. 
and then you put in two sidekicks, but you forgot to trigger Thor. Right. So we so had to you... back up, and we had to back us because it's mandatory. Yep. So we had to back up. So you and, knocked out And then one of I'm my still not entirely sure. I think I'm still not entirely sure if I misplayed, if I shouldn't have knocked out all three of your sidekicks. I think you could have think... knocked out two of them. Yeah. yeah. And you knocked out one sidekick and then hit me for two. Right. And maybe which, I should have knocked out the other sidekick, but I think even still, you had, had something. Well, I would have had three, because I would have had right. sidekick plus Drax plus your bag burn. Right. So, so that if you remember, your bag burn was the last the, point. I, I died because of bag burn. Yes. yes. It's a horrible I died by kind of bag burn. Not just once. I died. But so then we, we literally ran out of time at that moment, and yep. we went to the five-turn crapshoot. Yeah. And... Uh, you got your rolls. You got. You bought a Robin. I tried to buy Starro, but couldn't roll a shield or a question mark. And, yep. and, and I just it was, that was a side kickoff. And, and it was a side kickoff. I just kind of centered, 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 and got up as many sidekicks as I could in the field. But of course, I left myself with a bag burn. Yes. And that was again that the, was the, the one, one damage. damage again. The yes. difference in the game. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it was a great game. Great game. Have been could, more evenly matched. I couldn't have lost to a better player and a, a, a sweeter <laughs> guy. So I think you could have lost to a better player for sure. No, uh, no. Yeah. Well, like I said, the belt is changing hands. I'm really looking forward to seeing you guys rock and roll here. And so uh, I'll, yeah. I'll step. I'll step to the side. Now. All right. Thanks so much, Arch. Thanks, Andy. Final round. We have a new U.S. national champion. An interloper, so to speak, <laughs> from Canada, the general nemesis of the United States. A Canadian nice guy, though, so we gotta we gotta roll with it. <laughs> Congratulations, Dana! You are the new Dice Masters U.S. champion. Thank you. Uh, tell me, what was the story of the game? Three? How many? How many? What was it? Two zero? Three we, two three? It was two, one. one. Oh, we only got one game in, and it took pretty much an hour to you get just the game total in. Total lockup. I saw early on you guys bought. You early bought the villainous pack. Yeah. How was that a good? You think in, in retrospect, goodbye, bad buy? How did that play for good, you? Good, good. I think in retrospect, I probably should have tried to buy more villainous packs. It basically came down to who could keep Deken in the use pile the most consistently, which we both did basically every turn the entire game. So that's why it stalled out because yeah. Deken, Deken, yeah. And, and it was just waiting for villainous packs to get the damage through. Otherwise, just building up a field. Were yeah. you doing little chip damages, or how? What was the struggle? Is like you know how 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 did it play out? What did, walk me through the game? The struggle was we both had so much stuff in the field that if any of us were going to push big damage across, the other one was just going to let it through because of Deken. And now one field is cleared while the other field is healthy, and it puts you at a disadvantage to attack. Right. Too often, and so it just turned into a huge mess. <laughs> With, it's a car yeah. jam. Yeah. <laughs> car jam, okay. And how, well, how did it finally come through? Did you get him down to zero somehow? What was the final Eventually, coup de Eventually, yeah. yeah. It so was I'm, three times with Villainous Pact, right? Uh, yeah. Two, two seven damages and then one giant Villainous Pact swing at the end. And you had enough people in the field to hold off in case well you had you had Deken so you could you could yeah. afford to yeah so Deken was the secret sauce maybe yeah. yeah so I think both of us had probably upwards of nine tokens each maybe at one at point, one point. Wow. and like six or seven sidekicks each it was a mat uh, Andy was running out of room on his mat to put dice in his field zone literally <laughs> did you have enough tokens on hand I mean this goes because it is I was just I was, yeah moving on to the six-sided dice at that point and just yeah, I had one token left at one point. All right, so how many Dukens did you end up buying, guys? Uh, two for me. It was also two, yep. 
kept wow. him in concert. So two to Ken's. How many Master Molds? Are you, I heard maybe that you were thinking about buying another Master Mold at some point. I probably should have. I had one Master Mold and Dana had two. Two Master Molds. Yeah. So that might have also been part of the, like, you were kind of replenishing a little faster, right? He was. He was. Absolutely. Yeah. I got some early damage in. Uh, we were at... I was at 20 life and Andy was at 13 for a, like a big chunk of the time, but he had a massive field and I wasn't able to catch up. And then slowly my field started to catch up and he had a couple of rolls, maybe two or three turns right near the end where he had opportunities to roll villainous pack, but it, it didn't come up. It. And I think yeah. that's ultimately what decided. As we said, this meta is so much about rolls, a little bit about pulls, but well, pulls too, because you know, you got to sequence them right when you especially reach for those seven costs and stuff. But Wow, sounds like it was an interesting game, though. Even like you know, usually a lot of people think, well, the super walls are boring games, but it sounds like there was still a lot of chess going on in this game. Absolutely, I think honestly, this is the hardest game I maybe have ever played in my entire life. It was, uh, it was very taxing for sure. So, any thoughts on misplays, plays, you things you could have gone done differently, strategies, all that kind of stuff? Any thoughts on it? I mean, the point where I could have bought the second Master Mold, I'm surprised that neither of us went for the other Villainous Pact sooner. So you bought yours, I bought mine soon after, and then the third one just sat there for a really long time until my bag was so jacked up that I was like, well, putting two in the bag is better than one, and just trying to play the odds with that third one. But we were both running pretty lean for the majority of the game, really. So, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it wasn't... We're at the stage, Arch, where it's not misplaced so much as it's just like, I meant to do this, or there was one where I didn't even move the energy over when I declared something for, with a global, and it's just... It just gets to be a long day. It does. By the end of the... How are you feeling? I should ask that question, because my experience of being at the top table, and I didn't even go the last round, and I'm, you know, I'm just like, I'm wiped, and, you know, how how about you guys? Absolutely exhausted. Yeah, my brain is just a bowl of jello at this point. Also, you know, this meta is so chock full of globals. I was just like looking, I just said to Laurier, thank you for making me work like this. I mean, come on. There's so many globals on the table. I couldn't even, I was told Andy this too. I was like looking across the table and like, I could, forgot about my own globals because I was just like, what the hell over there? Yeah. <laughs> I, I put a lot of globals on. Yeah. yeah. So out of curiosity, the buys. I saw early in the game, you got a master mold, he got a master mold, you got the ventilous pack, and he said, wow, you got the ventilous pack really early. That kind of surprised you a little bit. It didn't really. Okay. I had, Playing against Rob, I was moving from master mold to either villainous pact or deken and then just switching that order depending on what i had available to me to spend right. so it was always master mold deken and villainous pact so as I, the first three things how many dice did you end up end up buying after all uh two master molds a villainous pact two deken and uh star Star will help out at all, or I mean, getting up to seven seven can be useful, it, right? Like it definitely helped a little bit with the war of attrition. I was able to steal master mold a couple times, well, produce, right. floor, use yeah. his master mold to create tokens for me, and then just throw it through aimlessly. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so he could attack with mine, drop another token into his field, and if I chose to KO it, which I think I did, that was your token as well. Yeah. Interesting. That's kind of a cool thing. So we're we're talking about just for those listening, we're talking about the rare Star. I'm going to steal it if you can for a second. And the rare star was the, the one that kind of harkens back to the old KO King's favorite card, the uh, Scarecrow, <laughs> you know. It's wind-fielded, unlike when KO, though. Send star to the used pile to take control of target opposing character die until the end of the turn. So that... It's a sacrifice it came, play. It, it's yeah. a sacrifice play. 
It doesn't read great, but it sounds like it played pretty well in, in the game. Yeah, it was mainly on there for against surprise teams or against super rare Thor teams, stealing something on my opponent's board that I otherwise couldn't interact with right. and using it against them. But uh, in, in this matchup, I was just trying to look for any small edges just to win the war of attrition. Maybe in retrospect, it would have been better to buy the second villainous pact, but it did it did come in relatively well. Yeah, well, yeah, the thing the is, like, did work. I can see that. I mean, you, why you wouldn't? You think, well, villainous pact doesn't stack. So, uh, you know, every time I've ever bought it twice, it comes out at the same time. Like, oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. please, no. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it gives you a double chance of getting it, you know, I suppose. Yeah. Any other thoughts before we, you know, say congratulations one more time and let you guys uh, head home for... Uh, yeah, just that uh, Andy played fantastic. I know it's uh, probably a bittersweet end to the day, but his team was fantastic. He played fantastic, and he's uh, uh, an absolute gentleman, and it was a pleasure to play against yeah, and congratulations to both of you, really. I mean, you both brewed excellent teams and piloted them incredibly skillfully. I mean, it showed your preparation. Like I keep saying, the person who deserves to win is the one who's prepared the most. And clearly, you two guys rose to the top of the table are, are examples of that, that premise. Um, Thank you. What tomorrow? What, any thoughts on tomorrow before? Well, actually, I have one last thing. What, so, so new U.S. Mm-hmm. champion. You feeling up to it? I remember in 2017, Jared won, and he was just look. I looked at him, and he was just so wiped out in the chair. He just took the next day off. Yeah. Any any thoughts of that, or are you ready? Are you ready to rock and roll again? Uh, <coughs> no, I'm going to be back tomorrow for sure. Okay. Uh, definitely going to try and get something to eat, go to bed early, then see if I can mentally refresh myself again to do the whole thing all over again tomorrow. Sounds good. Sounds good. How about you, Andy? What's, uh, what's your thoughts for tomorrow? I am going to head into tomorrow. I have a feeling tomorrow won't go as well. I'm just going to be... I, I'm done. I'm spent. <laughs> so I, I understand. Yeah. I hear you. All right. Well, see you tomorrow, guys, and congratulations to uh, our new U.S. national champion, Dana. Well done. So that's it for this week, but stay tuned for next week for the world championship coverage. Shall we hit it and quit? Let's hit and quit. Well, that's the end of turn five, my friends, and it's time for the final clear. We hoped you enjoyed today's show. You can find us at rollinthunder.xyz without a G or an apostrophe, where you'll discover all the links necessary to listen or subscribe to the show. You can also reach us by email at arge or lucan at rollinthunder.xyz. Our theme music was created by Jesse Weiner. We're in no way affiliated with WizKids, other than we love and celebrate the game of Dice Masters. So keep on rolling, August Narlagajia the Lao. We'll be talking again soon with another awesome guest. So stay tuned, and enough said. So how do you feel after taking such a massive L? (laughs) Ouch. Ouch, yeah.